This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from the state capital of Tallahassee, where we cordially invite you to stand by for one of the most dramatic weeks in the history of our republic. The new Congress convened Sunday for the start of a new session, swearing in lawmakers while at the same time a growing number of Republicans work to overturn Joe Biden's victory over Donald Trump as the coronavirus surges. This ain't 2021, friends. It's 2020 Part 2 the sequel nobody wanted. Remember all those times we talked about how Sunday's COVID casualty figures tend to be lower because of the way the numbers are reported to the state? Well, the health department reported more than 10,000 new infections Sunday, 100 more fatalities. On the plus side, at least 255,000 Floridians have received their first vaccination for COVID-19. Most of the shots are now reserved for seniors 65 and up and can be found at hospitals and some county health departments. But the governor warns that supplies are limited. Whether you go to a county vaccination site or hospital, the COVID-19 vaccine supply is still limited. Uh, We don't have enough vaccine currently on hand uh, for all 4 million plus senior citizens in the state of Florida. Now we will get there, uh, but it's not gonna happen overnight. Uh, So so please be patient. We wanna get as many people access to this um, as soon as possible. And don't just head out to get a vaccine. Make sure you have an appointment. Even then, people have had to wait in long lines for hours. Five new faces joined the state's congressional delegation, all Republicans. But Maria Salazar had to skip Sunday's official opening session after testing positive for COVID-19. Today on Sunrise In-Depth, we pay tribute to some of the Florida men and Florida women who defied the stereotype and made us proud in 2020 during the COVID crisis. There is The Scrounger. We will chase down every lead. We will spend whatever it costs. But these manufacturers must help us do the right thing. Lives are on the line. The whistleblower. We've seen an astronomical increase in pediatric cases. We've seen additional pediatric deaths, which the state has not been transparent about. The devoted wife. I'm looking for a real hug. (laughs) I'm not looking for a virtual hug and the Grim Reaper. This is not something I ever want to do. I want to end this. I want to quit wearing this Grim Reaper costume because it's hot, it's a pain in the neck to try. Been in Miami, Jacksonville, Pensacola. But this guy, he's a derelict. That's what he is. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the latest on our usual Florida man, the unofficial anti-hero of the Sunshine State. This one told police he robbed a house with an assault rifle to keep drugs off the street. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, January 4th. On this date in 1936, Billboard magazine published the first pop music chart based on national sales. Today is also known as Divorce Monday because the first Monday of the year is when most divorces are filed. Strap in, folks. It's going to be one hell of a week. Congress meets in joint session Wednesday to certify Joe Biden's win in the Electoral College. And Donald Trump supporters are gathering in D.C. for a show of force, hoping to find some way to overturn the election. It's all been described as a coup in slow motion. And there hasn't been anything like this since the election of 1876, when Republicans agreed to withdraw federal troops from the South if Southern Democrats would allow Rutherford Hayes to be declared president despite losing the popular vote. That was the end of Reconstruction and the end of any civil rights progress for almost 100 years. Florida's congressional delegation will get to see the drama play out in real life, and we have five rookies on the team, all of them Republicans. There's Kat Kamek of Gainesville, Scott Franklin of Lakeland, Byron Donalds of Naples, Carlos Jimenez of Miami, and Maria Elvira Salazar, also of Miami. Unfortunately, she had to skip Sunday's opening house session because Salazar is quarantining at home after testing positive for COVID-19. 
she's not the only one. The state reported more than 10,000 new infections Sunday, and Florida set a record over the past week with more than 93,000 new cases of the virus. Total number of COVID cases in Florida has now reached 1,365,000. The state also reported 100 additional fatalities Sunday. That's 775 over the past week, 22,310 since the start of the pandemic. When the numbers get this big, it's hard to keep things in perspective. So consider this. Over the past 10 months, COVID has killed more Floridians than World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War combined. If you're wondering when you'll be able to get a vaccination, it's all about age. If you're 65 or older, this is your time. Governor Ron DeSantis says seniors face the most risk, so they are at the head of the line. The main ways to get it for members of the community are through county health departments in partnership with county emergency managers and then through the hospitals. And we really trust our hospitals to be able to offer vaccinations for members of the community because they take care. These are the communities that they take care of. Uh, so they're gonna continue to be given major allotments of the vaccine uh, and their mission of course will be uh, to focus on those 65 and up once they're through uh, getting through their high contact doctors, nurses, and other medical personnel. Now, each county health department will be offering the vaccine uh, in ways that best fit the needs of that particular community. So some county health departments will deploy teams to senior communities like we see here in Palm Beach County at Kings Point. Some county health departments will be offering vaccines at, at a specific location. Uh, some will employ a, a hybrid of the two uh, either way, the county health departments will be communicating how and when they will be administering vaccine to the seniors in their counties. So currently, right now, in addition to Palm Beach County, the following county health departments are offering uh, a limited supply of vaccine to seniors. Miami-Dade, Lee, Escambia, Leon, Duval, Orange, and Seminole. We do anticipate um, the rest 57 other counties getting Moderna vaccine this week. And then obviously they will be working with uh, seniors in their community uh, to provide vaccinations. And so by the time we get into next week, you know, we hope to have all these counties offering the vaccine in one form or another, either by doing pods like we see here today or having a specific location or a hybrid of the two. Uh, but Floridians should also check uh, with their local hospitals, the websites, uh, in particular to see if they have started offering vaccines to seniors in the community. The hospitals that got the Pfizer vaccine uh, have probably gotten through their workers quicker than the hospitals that didn't get the vaccine until right before Christmas when they got the Moderna vaccine. Either way, um, I think everyone's on the same page to say, okay, once these nurses and doctors and other key medical personnel get it, you know, we want to work uh, with our elderly population to be able to offer it uh, to them. Uh, the Florida State Emergency Response Team asked hospitals to create and immediately begin executing plans to vaccinate seniors as soon as they complete vaccinating their frontline workers. Um, and so if you have uh, a hospital that's not yet offering it to seniors, they likely will be very soon. Uh, they may still be working through their doctors and nurses and other uh, health professionals. Importantly, whether you go to a county vaccination site or hospital, the COVID-19 vaccine supply is still limited. Uh, we don't have enough vaccine currently on hand uh, for all 4 million plus senior citizens in the state of Florida. Now, we will get there, 
uh, but it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, so, so please be patient. We want to get as many people access to this um, as soon as possible. We do feel that the supply is starting to come at a, at a pretty good rhythm, and I think people now have a little bit better sense of, of how this is going to go. I mean, for example, a lot of the hospitals, they didn't know what percentage of their workers were actually going to want to take the vaccine. Now they get a better sense of that. When we've gone to nursing homes, you have a certain percentage of nursing home residents who opt for it. Some of them, some of them don't. Uh, so we kind of get a sense of what the needs are there, and I think people are going to be able uh, to get uh, in a rhythm. So despite the temporary limited supply, uh, uh, seniors are going to be our focus. The governor made those remarks at the Kings Point Golf and Country Club in Palm Beach County, and he warned people that supplies of the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines are limited. You know, there's obviously a crush of people that are interested, demand exceeds supply. Um, on the one hand, that's, that's a good thing because this was something we want people to have confidence in. So I think clearly there's confidence in it. People feel confident about getting it. And so I think there's been different uh, issues. Different hospitals have done it different ways. I mean, our view is um, you know, the hospitals, whether it's online or via phone, are going to be the best avenue to be able uh, to sign people up in those communities. And then the county health departments uh, will be a great complement to that. And so they're going to work through issues um, as they happen. I think um, uh, just setting the expectations that this is here. Uh, if you're someone 65 and older, you are going to get access to this. Uh, it may not be today for everyone, may not be next week, uh, but over the next many weeks, as long as we continue getting the supply, you're going to have the opportunity uh, to get this. And so we're going to keep working to make sure that, that it's done. If the hospitals need some support, we would be willing to provide that. We had some discussions with some of the big systems about you know, maybe they could use some more nurses and some of the other things. And so we're open to that conversation. I think my view on this is this is the single greatest tool we have to, to save lives, reduce hospital admissions. So let's put the resources we have, and we did get more money now that's going to come down very soon with this most recent bill. Uh, let's put the resources towards that. So if a hospital needs support for that, we'll do it. If a county health needs support, uh, we want to do that as well. I think a lot of them uh, already have reservation systems that they use for the testing. Now, the vaccine demand is higher than the testing demand because a lot of folks, if they're not symptomatic, they're not going to go in and necessarily get a, get a test. Uh, vaccine, perfectly healthy people have every incentive to want to wanna get it, um, and it makes sense. So we, we want to do, and I told the mayor, you know, you tell us what you need to make this more effective, and we're going to provide resources for it. I think it's the number one uh, most effective use of, of the money we've been given from the federal government uh, to be able to deploy vaccine uh, for senior citizens. Palm Beach County Mayor Dave Kerner says the vaccines are beginning to make a difference, but it's going to take time. The battle is not over. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. We are all very excited. Uh, we're all very pleased with having access to this vaccine and the efficacy of this vaccine. But I also need, as the county mayor, to remind our constituents uh, that with the holidays, there is an increase in the positivity rate. Nationwide, we're seeing some very tragic things going on. And so I know that we have the willpower and the compassion in this county to remain focused on keeping our most vulnerable safe, keeping our economy healthy, and making sure we need to do what we need to do until this first round is done and access by the general public uh, is happening. 
Speaking of Palm Beach County, there's a private club there called Mar-a-Lago. You may have heard of it. It's owned by Donald Trump. They hosted a big New Year's Eve party, and State Representative Omari Hardy of West Palm Beach was dismayed when he saw videos that showed partiers ignoring the county's mandatory mask order. So Hardy wrote to the assistant county manager asking him to fine and shut down Mar-a-Lago until they can be assured the business will comply with the mask mandate. Hardy says that mandate applies to all businesses in Palm Beach County, and the president and his friends do not enjoy any special privilege to endanger the health and welfare of Palm Beach County. He's also contacted attorney Dan Ufelder to discuss various options for ensuring the county's mask mandate is enforced and that no business owner is given special treatment. Now, Ufelder is the guy who sued the governor to try to force him to close beaches back at the start of the pandemic, but he's best known as the Grim Reaper of the beaches. He's also one of the people who made a difference during the COVID crisis, as you will hear after the break. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. If you live along the I-4 corridor, learn to use your business experience to impact public policy. Apply by January 8th to the Central Florida Political Leadership Institute at cflpli.org. The Orlando Economic Partnership offers this free, nonpartisan program for business-minded leaders to explore whether elected or appointed office is right for them, discover political strategies to succeed and lead, and join a network of influencers. Apply by January 8th at cflpli.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. Now that 2020 is history, we have a chance to look back at some of the Floridians who made a difference during the COVID crisis. And there are four people we'd like to spotlight. The Scrounger, the Whistleblower, the Devoted Wife, and the Grim Reaper. The Scrounger in this case is Jared Moskowitz, who runs the Florida Division of Emergency Management. In the early days of the pandemic, when Donald Trump was telling states they would have to fend for themselves and find their own protective gear, it was Moskowitz who made it happen. He was also one of the first officials to warn about the chaos in the supply chain. The N95 private market right now is like a Ponzi scheme. Uh, I have a boiler room literally set up in our EOC, and all day long we try to find these masks. We're talking to brokers, we're talking distributors, we're talking to medical salespeople. We're chasing down warehouses only to get there to find out that they're empty. We're being told these uh, supplies are on planes only to see that they're phantom planes chasing ghosts when they don't appear on FlightAware. Uh, we're constantly engaging in bidding wars, being asked to wire money to accounts that were set up that very same day with email addresses uh, that were created only a couple of days ago. Uh, I talked to fellow emergency managers around this country, and they are experiencing the very same thing in the private market dealing with these N95 masks. And so, you know, I, I appeal to 3M and the other manufacturers. Uh, my EOC is in Tallahassee. The warehouse is in Orlando, and I ask that you sell the division and our hospitals uh, and our first responders these masks directly at market price, and you cut out your distributors and you cut out the brokers. Uh, the governor is going to continue to do everything we can to make sure that our healthcare professionals and our first responders have the PPE that they need. We will chase down every lead. We will spend whatever it costs. But these manufacturers must help us do the right thing. Lives are on the line. Uh, and that's what's happening in the private market when it comes to N95s. And so, you know, I want to, again, thank FEMA and HHS for really stepping up and helping fill those gaps. Uh, we're, we've really turned the page on other issues with PPE, dealing with gowns and gloves and face shields and goggles. But on the N95 mask issue, uh, right now there's madness uh, in the market. Moskowitz is now coordinating the state's vaccine distribution. 
Our next honoree is the whistleblower. Rebecca Jones was a data expert at the State Department of Health who helped design the state dashboard that kept track of COVID casualties. She was fired and publicly ridiculed by the governor after Jones claimed she was pressured to alter the numbers to justify an early reopening of the Sunshine State. So she set up her own reporting system using the state's data and became a champion for transparency at a time when the DeSantis administration was doing everything it could to sugarcoat the numbers and downplay the danger. Cases are trending upward for every single age group in the state, especially those who are under the age of 35. We've seen an astronomical increase in pediatric cases. We've seen additional pediatric deaths, which the state has not been transparent about. Um, and what's going on right now with schools is really unprecedented. It should not come down to a scientist with a group of nonprofits to track this information across the entire state. It should not come down to individuals to be responsible for all of the science that is coming out of that data. This is state leadership's failure. And I am very concerned that the rapid increase in cases in schools and the recent deaths of teachers is being overshadowed by this unscientific message that's being pushed now that this is only a threat to the elderly and the sickly. First is if those people don't count and as if their deaths are somehow less worse than somebody who's young and or healthy. That is discounting people like that is unacceptable. Next, the devoted wife. Mary Daniels' husband, Steve, is living in a memory care facility with Alzheimer's. And when the homes were shut down, she couldn't visit anymore. So Mary got a job at the nursing home washing dishes and was reunited with her husband after a 114-day separation. She also served on a task force to find a way for people to visit their loved ones in isolation at nursing homes. I love all these ideas. I mean, the, the virtual hug and all, all of this. I'm, I'm absolutely honored to be here. But I just want to make something very clear. I'm looking for a real hug. <laughs> I'm not looking for a virtual hug. And I love all of these ideas, but our goal is to get to our loved ones. They need a hug from us, not a picture of me on FaceTime, not me at the window. They need us. And so I, I like the small steps, and I don't mean to disrespect them in any way, but I don't want anybody to be misunderstood about why I'm here. My goal is to safely and as quickly as possible with the right guidelines, get us back to our families. I sit here representing hundreds of thousands of caregivers. It's not just me. I represent all of them and we are desperate and we are lonely and we are hopeless and helpless. And um, I am absolutely confident that we will come up with ideas to get us step by step. This is not a fast, uh, unfortunately, we, and we don't want to open the doors. We don't want to be foolish. We don't want to make mistakes here. It's incredibly important that we do it right. But I am truly confident that we are going to be able to get, um, get ideas and put them in, into implementation for, for the state of Florida. That will be copied, by the way, um, all across the United States. We have an opportunity to put out a roadmap. They are watching us today and they're watching what we're doing. And I'm thrilled to not even not only be able to do it for the state of Florida, but to really show the United States how we can make these uh, loved ones feel loved um, and nurtured and held and hugged again. Our final honoree today is Dan Ufelder, an attorney from Walton County who sued the governor to try to force the closure of beaches during spring break. When DeSantis refused, Ufelder dressed up like the Grim Reaper and headed for the beach. Yeah, I'm here today to try to make a point that we need to, I think it's premature that we open our beaches. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of public beaches and I've been fighting for that for years, but I think that uh, the, the danger of bringing 
all the people here to our area and spreading the virus. And I think it's going to prolong the recovery we have. And I think that we should uh, take better measures. And it's drawing people from all over the world to our beautiful beaches. It's too soon and we need and it's not appropriate. Ufelder made several appearances across the state in his Grim Reaper costume, including a press conference on the grounds of the governor's mansion. He believes Ron DeSantis betrayed Floridians by following Donald Trump's COVID playbook. My dad used to take me over to see, spend afternoons with Governor Collins. When I was a 17-year-old, I traveled with Lawton Childs. I was just raised where, you know, there's certain times in life you have to make sacrifices. And I'm working, I'm working eight hours a day at my law job and doing this and but this is something so important and it does and nobody is doing anything. I mean, people are doing things, but they're not doing they're not doing what I'm doing. They're not sacrificing their time and their talent and their, you know, their passion. A lot of people just sit behind a computer and tweet or Facebook. And I, my parents just raised me and said, you know, Daniel, you know, you can complain and, or you can do something. And so that's what I'm doing. And. You know, my family all lives in Florida. I, all my relatives live in Florida. I'm a second-generation Floridian. My kids are third-generation Floridians. And this governor is killing our people. And I can't watch it anymore because he is so derelict. He, he is, he is, I almost throw up in my mouth sometimes when I say Rick Scott is better than this guy. But I think he is. This guy is so beholden to Mr. Trump that he will sacrifice lives to do what he asks for. But there is a price to be paid when you make things difficult for the governor. The whistleblower's house was raided by state agents. Joan says she will be leaving Florida. Attorney Ufelder is also on the defensive after a state appeals court suggested his beach closing lawsuit was so frivolous he could be punished. He filed that appeal after the trial judge suggested it. Your calendar of events today is a short one. U.S. District Judge Beth Bloom is scheduled to start trial at 9 in a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of a 2019 Florida law aimed at banning so-called sanctuary cities. The city of South Miami and immigrant advocacy groups filed the lawsuit in July after the ban went into effect. Now, the law requires local cooperation with federal immigration enforcement. Republicans who championed it claim it will improve public safety. Critics say it's about politics, not safety, and is rooted in discrimination. Finally today, a Florida man charged with a home invasion robbery in Sarasota tells police he did it because they were selling drugs and he was just trying to keep them off the streets. Officers stopped Mark Kramer after spotting him driving away from the scene of the crime. Inside his car, they found an AR-15 assault rifle and a phone playing an episode of the TV show Criminal Minds. That phone was the only thing stolen during the robbery. That's it for the first episode of Sunrise in 2021. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we continue to plumb the depths of Florida politics.